0: Happy New Year to you. You know, it's really funny. I have always, I've always had a fascination with firearms. It's just kind of been in me, which is interesting, because I didn't. My dad did not hunt when I was growing up. I didn't grow up in a hunting family, but I do remember uh, a good friend of mine, Doug Duggan, that was his real name actually. Uh, when he, we were about 11 years old, Doug invited me to go skeet shooting, and my dad and his dad, we went out in the country, and I was so excited because. This was the first time I was ever going to get to fire the shotgun that my grandfather had given to me when I was a wee little lad growing up in Houston. And I'll never forget that because it was the first time that I'd ever fired a real weapon. Now, I had fired, you know, BB guns and put out windows and that kind of stuff. But this was like something that was real. I mean, you, you could hurt somebody with this thing. And I will never forget that feeling of firing that gun. I wonder. How many of y'all in the room have never fired a firearm? Let me just see a show of hands. If you've never fired, that's okay. We're going to offer some classes to help with your spiritual maturity in this new year. But there's something about it, you know, and and I think it's particularly appropriate as we launch the new year. You know, we we get to launch not just t-shirts. Whoa! Heads up there in the upper balcony. You know, we get to launch a new year of ministry we launched children's ministries in LAC kids a new year of loving our town as a church a new year we launch ministry for spur leadership let's not forget the people who got here on time and sit down in the front section down here I just didn't want to put out I'm gonna to try to launch it you know there you go it's tough coming out of that black ceiling I know now that you get to keep that if you get it it's yours don't give it away. I know it's church. Give, you know, better to give than to receive, and all that. But anyway, it really is a unique time. There's something about that first of the new year when we start thinking about, okay, this year we're, we're going to change some things. We're going to alter a trajectory or two somewhere along the way, and we're going to launch a little bit. Differently this year than last year. Maybe you've got something in your mind or in your heart and you want to change something dramatically. You, you want to drastically change what has been to what will be. And today, what we're going to do in the time that we have here together is look at how God does that. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Maybe you've got a phone that you've got the Bible on. Somebody told me, I was calling it a smartphone, and somebody very, very close to me said, You know, um, Dad, when you call it a smartphone, you sound really, really old. So, just your phone, if you've got a Bible app on there, your U you version or something like that, go to Isaiah chapter number 43. And I want to tell you why we're talking about this. In Isaiah 43, just to give you a little context, a little background, Isaiah is a prophet in the nation of Israel. Israel, of course, is God's chosen people. They are the one that he chose all the way back with Abraham, centuries before this particular passage takes place. And God nurtured Israel in relationship with Israel. It wasn't just about, you know, the tabernacle or the temple or the rituals, but it was all ultimately about relationship with Israel. And through that relationship, it was God's design and God's desire to in turn, bless all of humanity because it was through Israel that God would bring his son Jesus, that Israel was the chosen channel of God's grace, that through Israel, Jesus would come, and through Jesus, the entire world, everybody could be, might be, if they would engage in this relationship, be blessed. But Israel had kind of an on-again, off-again relationship with God. How many of you ever, maybe you're right now in the middle of dating somebody, and it's kind of on again, up again, you know, on again, off again, up and down, go ahead and raise your hands unless you're dating them and they're sitting next to you right now. You know what I'm talking about? Those those kind of relationships that are high drama, high drama. And let me just say this. If you are dating somebody right now and you're in a situation like that, run from drama. Now, if you're married to that person, figure it out. But if you're not yet married, drama, life is too short I had one of these relationships before Julie and I got married. It was always up, or always up, and then always down, and on again, off again. We were dating. We broke up. Ah! But I'll never forget the night that it finally dawned on me. We had been on again, off again, and this particular night, this girl called me, and she said, You know, I think I want to date other people. I know we said we were going to get married, but, you know, we'll do that one day. And, And stupid me. I said, Okay, And I hung up the phone, and I just went, you know, after years of doing this, I went, what are you doing? And and I just said, no. And I picked up the phone, and I called her back. I said, you know what? I want you to understand something. I'm not mad, not upset. I'm just tired of the roller coaster, and I'm getting off. And it was because of that conversation, somebody helped me preach, that I was ready to receive what God had for me in Julie. It was because I had that conversation that I walked away from what God didn't want me to be a part of, that I could receive what he did want me to be a part of. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if I had a microphone right now, I'd drop it. (laughs) But there's a lot of that kind of dynamic in Israel's relationship with God. It was on again, off again, up and then down. But God never let go of Israel. God never abandoned Israel. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, says the Lord God Almighty. And in Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah is the prophet. Now, when I say prophet, a lot of people think, you know, foretelling the future. And sometimes that happens. But really, prophets are just God's mouthpiece. They speak to people from God. So Isaiah is here giving Israel a word from God, and he's predicting From God, what will happen to the nation of Israel? Because they're so up and down, God is going to allow Israel to be captive. First of all, under the Assyrian Empire. Second of all, under the Babylonian Empire. And Isaiah is describing what it will be like when God uses these captivities to call Israel home. To draw Israel back to himself. And and he's saying, yes, there will be a time of estrangement. There will be a time of distance because of your choices. But I will not let you die in that case. I will not let the nation of Israel, I will not let the hope of the world perish in captivity. As a matter of fact, I will use that captivity and bring you back to me through that incredible trial that you're about to go through. But once you go through it, God says in Isaiah 43, watch out. Watch out for what is about to happen. That's where we pick up the story in Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 19. Just four verses we're going to focus on today. The Bible says, God talking to Israel through Isaiah says, I am the Lord. The one who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. He's talking, of course, here of when he called Israel out of Egyptian slavery and they entered into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. He said, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Check this out, verse 18. This is great. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Verse 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, that's Israel and God. But it's there for us in the Bible. God supernaturally made sure that this prophecy was included in the biblical record for our use, for our purposes, so that we would understand who he is and how he operates. And in this new year, you and I, Get to decide if we're going to participate in how God operates, if we're going to be a part of what He is doing in this world, if we're going to allow Him and invite Him to launch something new in us. Now, I don't know why you're here today. I don't know what your motivations were for walking in the door. Some of you may have walked in because you've been a long-time Christ follower, and Sunday morning, man, that's just what you do, and and you were thinking, honestly, on January the 4th, it's kind of still sort of the holidays. School's not back in yet, so if I go today, I'll get extra credit, and you do, and that's great, but others of you, maybe you're here because you're not yet a Christ follower, and you're thinking, man, maybe maybe there really is something to this, this God thing, and I'll go to church and try to just see if it's, if it's real, if it, if it matters, not just, you know, when people go to church, but like day in and day out. And wherever you may be on that spiritual spectrum, God has something for you. God has something for me in this passage from, from Isaiah chapter 43 because God is always up to something new. He is constant. Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, he is always dynamic. He is always moving through situations. There is not one part of your life, not one part of my life that God doesn't want to impact and work through. And that's how he is. That's who he is and what he does. And so today, we're going to bring back a long-standing Lake Hills Church tradition. I want everybody to take out your program, if you would, what you got when you came in. Open it up to the notes page. We're going back to the acrostic Today, we're going to use an acrostic. The word is launch. So I want you to write down the left-hand side of your page there the word, L-A-U-N-C-H. Kind of spread it out evenly so that you can take copious notes as we go through this. And because it's New Year, because this is the 11 o'clock worship service and... You all have been up for hours. You're properly caffeinated. We're going to make this a little interactive as we go throughout this day. As we use the letters L-A-U-N-C-H, I want you to begin by giving me a hearty Lake Hills Church New Year's. Give me an L. L. Outstanding. If you see anybody who came at 930, tell them we smoked you. That was impressive. Here's what L means. Out of Isaiah 43, look spiritually at your year, month, week, and day. Look spiritually at every segment of time that you've been given. What does God say in verse 16? He says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Here's what that means for you and for me. God has brought you to this point. You're here by divine appointment. You're you're here because God still wants to do something in your life and through your life, no matter where you are spiritually. You are not here accidentally. And the one thing that we can know about God's personality and his character, he never brings us to this point just to leave us hanging. Brought you to January the 4th, 2015. Good luck. No, no, no. God has brought you. He's brought me. He's brought us as a church family to this point. Because he wants to build on everything that has gone before. The good, the bad, and the ugly. No matter where you are. No matter what you've been through. No matter what 2014 was like. No matter what your college years were like. No matter what your childhood or your family of origin was like, you have been brought to this place by divine appointment. And so you have the opportunity as well as the responsibility to look at what is about to happen through spiritual eyes. That's what God is doing. God is telling the nation of Israel, look at what I've done. Just look at my track record. I've brought you to this place. You were in slavery. slavery, I brought you out of that. You were in the wilderness, I brought you out of that. You are on the outside of the promised land looking in. I took you in. God says, all along the way. And so it's incumbent upon us when we realize, wow, I didn't deserve one breath of my life. I never did anything. And yet God created me. He put me here for a purpose and for a reason. He's sustained me and brought me to this place. Therefore, let me look at 2015. Let me look ahead to what is coming. Let me look ahead to January. Let let me look ahead to the week of January the 4th, spiritually. What is it that God wants to do in me and through me this year, month, week, today? Now, that can be kind of an overwhelming concept. Like, Let me tell you how to find that out. And you want to write this down. Do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Don't worry about December of 2015. Take care of Sunday. Look at everything through spiritual eyes. Look at everything from God's perspective. Look at it in the grand sweep of God's activity of human history. Or in the grand sweep of your life. He's already promised us. He's doing something new. There, there's something coming. There's something on the way. But it starts with how we perceive, how we look at things. A. Give me an A. A. This is fun. Abandon FOMO. Abandon FOMO. Now, some of you, you know where this is going. Others of you are going, what? In the wide world of sports, is he talking about? FOMO is, of course, the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. And we we see this, you know, in HD, in our kids' lives. Mom, can we go, please? Everybody else is getting to go. Seriously, everybody, tell me who they are. And we look at our children we're like, they're exaggerating, but the fear of missing out is not something we grow out of. We, we all experience the fear of missing out. Well, I'm worried that, you know if we don't do this, then, then they're not going to be able to do that, and if we don't do this, then we have to do that.. Ah! The fear of missing out will cause us to overstack and hyperpack our calendars, our years, our month. Our week and our day. The fear of missing out is a tool of Satan. Don't think I'm overstating my case. It is. You know, one of the biggest things that we need is rest. Man, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but coming out of the holidays, you know, holidays, some of us come out and I'm exhausted. I was wrapping presents at 3:30 Christmas Eve. Then we got up at 6 a.m. Christmas morning, and then the family came over, and then we fixed breakfast. And I'm, just, I'm But it's not just the holidays. It's all year long, isn't it? I mean, is there anybody here who has too much free time? Is there anybody here who's like, man, I'm just. I'm so rested, I don't know what to do with myself. Most of the lack of rest in our lives is traceable back to the fear of missing out. Most of the time it's because we're afraid of missing out on something. And so we, especially those of us who are parents, man, we pack our kids' calendars and lives, structured that, structured this, travel there, because if we don't get them in there, they're going to miss out. They're going to be just fine. I see it all the time. People ask us, and especially Julie, she's dealing with, she works with moms through the Fearless Mom Ministry, and moms are kind of like, "Well, what about like, you know, in the middle school cafeteria? I mean, it is cutthroat for my daughter." And I'm like, "Look, I would not be a middle school girl for all the money in the world, for a whole host of reasons. Mainly because they are mean." Man, that's a, that's a jungle out there. It is. And so moms are like, all, well, what if they left out? What if they left out? Good. That's why you make sure they're a part of the church. So they're around other kids who are like, yeah, we're not going to live like that either. We're not going to chase the popularity and hang out with the mean girls. Guys can be mean too, but it passes. Guys are like, mm, dude, hit me. You know, But girls, they don't forget And they're wounded and they're scarred. And I'm not making fun of it. It's real. But if you teach your daughters, you teach your sons to abandon the fear of missing out and to live above that stuff and that junk, how much better off are they? Are they going to be left out? Are they not going to be necessarily the cool kids? Well, maybe. But thank God that they learned they're strong enough to stand on their own two feet with other people, other students. Who help, who stand shoulder to shoulder with them, and go, I got your back. I got yours too. Represent. So, but that only happens if you, the parent, make sure that that happens. So, so we teach our children to abandon the fear of missing out. We teach our children it's okay to, to that's why you, you make sure they're a part of the church. You know, it's in the church that Emily and Joseph saw people a little bit older than they were who were living their lives for Christ, following Christ day in and day out, making good choices, staying away from stupid decisions. Julie and I, we're their parents. And so they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, you're old. But if they see somebody maybe three or four years above them, older than them, who's doing it, then they've got a vision of what can be. Then they start to see, you know what, I really can do this. It is possible. So... That matters. Abandon the fear of missing out. Israel had the fear of missing out, by the way. Isn't that funny? A whole nation could do that. Israel was one. They'd always go to God and they'd complain. All these other countries, they have other gods. We only have one. God said, congratulations, you're lucky. This is the real. This is the true. They say, well, God, they've got a king. We want a king. We just need a king, God. Can we have a king, please? It was the fear of missing out. God was leading and directing and guiding them. So the fear of missing out is not new. But you have to pray for it. You have to work for the courage to abandon it. And to go, you know what? We're going to be just fine. I'm going to get into how that happens in just a second. You. Give me a you. You. Use what you've got. Use what you've got right now. Look at what God said to Israel. I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? See, God is always working and moving and engaging. Always. The question is, do we get it? Do we participate in it and perceive it so that we can participate in it? God's already started what he wants to do in your life and through you over the next 12 months. He's already begun it. You already have everything you need to take the next step. You may not have what you need right now to get to December of 2015, but I promise you, you have everything you need right now to take the next step. To just do the next right thing. Just use what you've got. God says, I've already begun it. I've already started it. The question is... Do we have the spiritual perception, the radar, the antenna to perceive it so that we can then participate in it? And the only way we get that is through talking to God, spending time with God quietly, privately, alone. Yes, gathering as the church is a big deal, but it's not enough by itself. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. And the way that you find that more is in your own private time with God. Our family this year is reading through the entire Bible. I didn't mandate it. I strongly encouraged it. But I said, Let, let's do this, just the four of us, let's do this. And so our family would like to invite you, the church family, to participate in that with us. You can read through the entire Bible in one year. Some of you thinking, well... January the 4th, already missed the start. (laughs) Three days you're behind, that's no big deal. You can make that up, listen to me, seriously, you can make that up at halftime today. Halftime. You might miss some incredibly insightful analysis from Terry Bradshaw, but you can get caught up at halftime. Halftime. But I promise you this. If you will go to the word of God every day, if you will just read a little bit of it and ask God, show me how to use this, show me what this means, things will change. You will see the trajectory of your life changed for the better. The word of God does that. That's not something that you can do, I can do, or any of God's chilling can do. That's something that only happens in connection with him. Use what you've got. Every single one of us has access to this Bible. We live in a country. We get to enjoy the freedom of religion, of faith, and going to this. It takes about 10 minutes every day to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe. Maybe. So you can do that. If you go to YouVersion on your phone, on your app, there are all kinds of plans to help you get through there and do it. So as a church we're going to be doing I'll be tweeting about that maybe not every single day but I'll be doing that throughout the year. As a church we'll be connecting that way. Use what you've got. God says I'm about to do something new. This is a great one. In, give me an in. Need God's approval more than people's. Need God's approval more than people's. We all like to be approved of. We all like to be liked. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But we have to make the conscious decision to choose to need God's approval more than other people's approval. And when we begin to do that, and we are already, we've already decided we're going to look at every moment of our lives through spiritual eyes... Through the filter of God's priorities, and we start to need God's approval more than we need other people's approval. That also helps us abandon FOMO. That helps us to just go, no, 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 no. We we, we're not going to participate in that. No, I can't make it that night. What really? Are you going out of town? No, I'm just chilling. There's a key word, key word that I want to give you today, and that is the word Sabbath. Sabbath. Write down the word Sabbath. Most of us, I think, understand when we talk about Sabbath, we're talking about Sunday. For the nation of Israel, it was Saturday. That's kind of an an interesting but irrelevant point. And when we think about Sabbath, we use it as a noun or an adjective. We we talk about the Sabbath. We, We go to church on the Sabbath or it's a Sabbath day. But in the original language, in the original Hebrew, Sabbath is a verb. Sabbath is engaged rest. Engaged rest. Engaging in rest. Now that sounds like a contradiction in terms what, if you're engaging, are you really resting? Or if you're resting, are you really engaging? You are if you're doing it right. You are if you're remembering that this is time that God has set aside. We are need sabbath he created us with this need for sabbath to engage in rest to engage with him to engage with god rests our spirit to engage with god rests our minds it it rests our bodies we we just kind of just take a deep breath And, and to understand that means that we we set aside that day that, that day of the week. To rest. Yes, we're going to gather together. But we're going to rest. This is part of refueling and recharging. Like, well, I don't, I, I, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. we We got to go. we got to go. go. we got games. we got work. we got stuff. we got family. We got to go. Ow. You... And I are not busier than God. That, that's a significant truth. You and I are not busier than God. On the seventh day, God rested. Now, why did God rest? Do you ever think about that for a second? I mean, <clears throat> after creation, was God winded? Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Trees took it out of me. <laughs> Opposable thumbs. Did you see that one? Ooh. Everything God does is because He loves us. He rested because He loves you, He rested as an example for us to follow. Now, Sunday is not my Sabbath. Sunday's work day for this cowboy. Friday is my Sabbath. People think, well, I'm sure you take Monday off. Are you kidding me? Monday, we hit it early, Jack. We got a lot to correct and get better for the next one. But Friday, oh, Friday. Somebody help me. Friday's Sabbath. Friday's the day to have a date. Friday is the day to chill out Friday is the day to have a cheeseburger Friday is the day to focus on God and what he's done in me and what he's working on through me and in me for this week that's my Sabbath but as a church family Sunday this is Sabbath you know that Sunday is the first day of the week it ain't Monday that's why they put it on the calendars, but they're wrong. A whole other sermon. Sunday is the day one of the week. This is where it starts. And to engage in rest takes a high degree of intentionality. You've got to choose to rest. You've got to know that, you know what, we're going to rest on Sunday. We're going to engage in rest and worship on Sunday. Therefore, I'm going to look at my week spiritually. Therefore, I'm going to guard that time. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not on the clock, I'm not checking email, I'm not taking a meeting, I'm not traveling to this fourth grade soccer tournament in Victoria slash hell, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Victoria's a great place, great place, but I'm talking about the hell and the chaos that we create for ourselves. We unnecessarily complicate our lives. Sabbath is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And we abandon the gift at our own peril. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Need God's approval more than man's, more than people's. N. C. Connected to the N. Give me a C. C. Change your routine. Change your routine. Now that doesn't mean that your routine is bad per se, but change it up. Change what you do. Change where you travel. Travel. Get out of town every now and then. It doesn't have to be expensive. Preacher said I got to change your routine. You've got to go to Paris. <laughs> if you can, Paris is great. Knock yourself out. I think it'd be super. Amen. But but you can go to you can change your routine and go to Bastrop. Bastrop's a cool town. A lot of Texas history and stuff. You can go to Marfa. Marfa's not expensive. But change your routine. Change the way you do things. Change it up. I have to change up the way I prepare for sermons. About every two or three years, I, I, I change it up. What the week looks like, how I research, how I pray, how I write, how I prepare—all those things—I have to change those things up. I get bored with me. Change your routine. And watch how God changes your mindset. Watch how he changes the way you look at things. Watch how he changes the way you talk to people. Watch the things that God opens up and and the insights that he will give you and the leadings he'll give you through his Holy Spirit. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, this is how he works. Change your routine. I, I didn't read this a second ago, but what did God say? He said, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. He will make a pathway through the wilderness. That doesn't mean that you know how you're going to get to the other side. It just means that he'll open a pathway, take the next step, do the next right thing, and the next step of the pathway will open up to you. This isn't, you know, this this is real world stuff. Do the next right thing. Change your routine. Now, H maybe the most spiritually profound part of this whole thing. If you do it right, H is the most spiritually mature, profound part of this whole thing. Therefore, give me an H. H. Have fun. Have fun. What did God say in Isaiah? some of you are thinking, that's not very spiritual. Yes, it is. He said, I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. What's a river? A river is life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's my vitality. It's my power. Have some fun. Tell your neighbor right now with New Year's passion and enthusiasm. Have you some fun. Have, you some fun. have fun. Fun's a big deal many of you are husbands in the room? Let me see. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a, a husband, raise your hand. Guys, keep your hands up. Repeat after me. I do solemnly vow. Do solemnly vow. That was terrible. <laughs> Guys, I do, I do solemnly vow. To be the keeper, be keeper. Of, fun of fun in my household. In my household. So, help so help me God. Put your hands down. Now. Guys, that's a big deal. You make sure your wife is having fun and it's not what you're thinking right now. <laughs> it could be a part of it. Whole nother sermon series. But I'm saying your wife, your children, what are you doing to create an environment of life in your home? Make sure they're having fun. To make sure that there is life. God says, I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I I will make rivers of life where there is none. Make it. Have have fun. Play, Play games as a family. I'm not a big board game guy, okay? I'm not. But we as a family have a lot of fun. When our kids were very, very little, Julie would say, hey, listen. This will help them if they learn how to play by the rules, how to lose graciously, and win graciously. And I'll do that because you can't. So we're going to play a game together. And shoots and ladders. Man, we started out in shoots and ladders. But when we got older, we played spoons. How many of y'all play spoons as a family? You know what I'm talking about? It's a card game. In our family, spoons is a contact sport. We have to play it on Julie's and my bed. All four of us sitting around. You may have too many kids to do this. But, I mean, it gets It gets rough. But we have a lot of fun as a family. We have our moments. We have our serious moments. There have been plenty of tears, screaming, crying. That happens. Family. But having fun is a big deal. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Fun is vastly underrated spiritually. I don't know what it is. As we get... You know, we spend more time following Christ. We think serious is deep. I'm going to be very serious about my faith. Yes. Amen, brother. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Shut up. (laughs) It is serious. We have to take our faith seriously, but don't take ourselves too seriously. Have some fun. Have some fun. Fun helps a marriage. Fun helps a church. Fun helps work. Fun helps everything when it's done spiritually. The joy of the Lord. I'm not talking about, hey, 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 what happened in Vegas. No, no. Because, again, we're talking about what God does. Rivers of life through the desert. He creates. You want to know those rivers? You want to ride those rapids? Walk with Him. As a church family, we're starting something next week that I'm very, very fired up about. Again, take out your program that you've been taking copious notes on throughout this message. On the very back, I want you to notice where we're going starting next weekend. This series, Icebergs, God birthed a few Months ago, when we were studying for something, I was studying for a sermon, and and I came across the statistic, you might remember from the series we did, I came across some uh, statistics from the Titanic disaster. And we used them on a Sunday morning, and and I talked about it, and in that research that I was doing for that, God birthed something in me about icebergs. Icebergs are fascinating, aren't they? They're, They're beautiful to look at. If you've ever been on a cruise... And you go, ah, the fjords and the iceberg. You're just like, whoa. But you also know that icebergs can be deadly. They can be incredibly dangerous. Over the next few weeks as a church family, we're going to look at relationship icebergs. Relationship icebergs, those things that are dangerous that lie beneath. So if you're sitting on the end of your row, if you're on the right end of your row, I want you to look down. There's a stack of invitation cards. And I want everybody here to please take three of these. Take three of them because this is who we are and this is what we do as a church family. We invite other people. As you're passing those out right now, everybody take three of them. You need to know 86% of Metropolitan Austin, 86% is not connected to God in a meaningful relationship. 86%. That's a massive opportunity. 86%. And of that 86%, 74% of them would come to church if they were invited by a friend. That is a huge, huge potential. You and I get to invite them into the joy of the Lord. We get to invite them into what happens in here on the weekend where they encounter Christ. Where they learn that you really can have fun in a relationship with God. You actually can enjoy every part of life that you invite Jesus to be a part of. That's why these cards go out when we start a new sermon series. That's why we're intentional about what we preach and how we preach and teach from this stage. Because Jesus makes everything better. Jesus makes everything better better and so the priority for our lives is to launch 2015 and reorient everything around that here's my challenge for you my prayer for you for me that we orient every part of our week as a church family around what happens in here on sunday that every part of our calendar is oriented around what god wants to do when we gather when we encounter him when we worship him, and so we, we change our routine such that we, we get here and we make sure kids are situated and we come in and we worship and we're, we're here on time, and I'm not yelling at anybody, but I'm saying when you come in late, you, it, it changes the dynamic for you. It changes the dynamic for other people. You know, I remember a couple of basketball games in high school where I got hung up in Houston traffic getting to the venue. And and I I was disconcerted and kind of discombobulated the whole game. Because I was like, I was late, I was frantic, I gotta get there. And most of us, I do this a lot of times. We live our lives like that and that becomes our normal. But if we will change our routine, particularly as it relates to Sunday, as it relates to this gift of the Sabbath, to the gift of the church, the family of faith, I'm telling you, God will do what only he can do if we will do what we can do. So so we, we make this a priority and we make it a priority to be the channel of grace in somebody's life this week. What God did with Israel, he's inviting you and me to do the exact same thing. You may be Israel in somebody's life this week. You may be that channel of grace, that river of life in the desert of somebody else's life. And just say, hey, man, I would love for you to be a part of this. We're we're doing something new. Our our pastor's a little nuts. The title of the sermon series is Icebergs. Come check it out. The music is unbelievable. But I, I think you'd really dig this. That is how this works. That is how those rivers of life in our lives and through our lives get channeled. And so this year we launch with a new commitment, a new passion for what God wants to do in us personally, but also through us personally, through us person- collectively as a family of faith. We can do so much more together than we can do by ourselves. And this is the genius of God. He's the one who built this. He's the one who created and offers the gift of the family of faith, the church, the body of Christ. So as you launch 2015, orient your life around what he's doing and what he's inviting you to participate in. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this new year, we're going to conclude differently than we normally do. But I want to invite you to pray. To pray a prayer of commitment. A prayer submitting yourself to what God wants to do. So that your 2015... Will be something that will always be remembered for the difference that you make in somebody else's life. For the fact that you were an Israel. You chose to participate with God and to be a river of life, a river and a channel of change and grace. And it starts here. It starts right now. So I want to invite you just to pray right now. Silently. That kind of prayer. Let's pray together. you pray ask God to bring people to to your mind people that you know who don't yet know how much God loves them maybe they don't even know how much you love them and ask God to use you in their life Father and our God, we come to you this morning overwhelmed by your goodness. God, so aware of your presence in this moment, in this place, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to launch into this new thing that you are doing, that you have already begun. Father, I pray that you will give us the grace, give us the courage, the wisdom, and the power to launch with you. God, to participate in this that you are calling us to as a church family, as individuals. God, give us the courage to take the next step, to do the next right thing. We pray this prayer in your name. Amen.